Well, Father, we ask that you bless this word to us, that we might be encouraged in our walk in faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, thank you for your prayers. Last week I was away uh, uh, speaking at New Wine Island. Um, It's the um, largest New Wine conference they've had in Ireland so far. It's uh, continuing to grow and um, found myself one evening sitting with... um, uh, I, I don't know what, a bench of bishops, I think that's what you call a collection of bishops, a bench of bishops, there was a room full of bishops and myself and my daughter Beth and um, uh, uh, this, they were telling the stories of what God was doing and um, uh, they were saying, you know, new wine in Ireland is one of the key motivators for church growth. It's really bringing change and a fresh perspective across the island of Ireland and um, they, um, uh, the lovely thing about it is, is it's non-denominational. And so it's just offering hope in Christian faith. And it's a wonderful thing uh, to be part of. So thank you for your prayers for that. I was there <clears throat> doing the open evening talk and a few other seminars uh, and uh, networking with bishops. And do pray for uh, New Wine uh, England. Uh, Shepton Mallet's happening in the next few weeks. We're only a, a few hundred off being full and um, we had 200 and something book in this week, I think it was. So we're, we're almost there. And um, so there'll be uh, uh, many thousands of us uh, on site. And uh, it's a whole new thing this year. Those of you coming, it's very exciting. Celebrations in the morning and evening. Some fantastic speakers coming along. And um, uh, I'm, I'm so looking forward to interviewing the Archbishop of Canterbury and uh, uh, talking to him about... Um, his faith, who actually is such a great friend of New Wine. He used to come along uh, uh, as part of our New Wine family. So it's uh, really lovely to have him uh, come along and be part of what we're doing. We're going to have a little look at this passage today, but I want to start with this thought. Jesus did not die so that we could go to church. He died for something more than that, something greater than that. Often, often people seem to get that wrong. It's like, well, if I'm a Christian, I'll, I'll go to church. It's not about that. I mean, I, I do want to encourage you to come to church. That's quite important because that's the gathering of the family where we tell the story, where we celebrate what's going on in the family, where we have Tolkien's and others that appear, where, where, we, where we hear the story of what God is doing throughout the week. But Jesus didn't die just so that we gather as a family. He died so that we would make a difference. There is a common mistake made in different areas of the Christian church today. Many people think that Jesus came to show us what God was like. Now, some of that is true. He does reveal the character of God to us. He did come to show us what God was like. But that wasn't his ultimate aim. He didn't ultimately come just to show us what God was like. He came, obviously, he came ultimately to die on the cross that we might know our sins forgiven, that we might know new life. Ultimately, he came for that. But if you look at his life, he didn't come to show us what God was like. He came to show us how we should live our lives. He didn't live his life as God on earth. If he'd lived his life as God on earth, that would not be reproducible. We could not do that with our lives. But rather, he came as man, God becoming man and lived his life as man full of the Holy Spirit. And as he lived his life as man full of the Holy Spirit, what he did for us was he demonstrated this is how we're to live our lives. 
So how he lived his life is reproducible in our lives. So he is the forerunner for us. He's the demonstration of how we're to live kingdom lives. He revealed to us how God intended us to be. In everything he did, we see Jesus acting as God intended us to act. He showed us how we are to be. And he lived his life based on this one key principle that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Everything he did comes out of that. In other words, he, Jesus, lived his life in the light of his Father, showing us how to live our lives, but all the way through his life, appealing to his Father, seeking to honor his Father in everything that he did. And of course, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he demonstrated that in everything that he did. I do everything that reflects the love that I have for my father. I love my father. That's his life. Nothing he did was without reference to his father. I only do what my father tells me to do. That's what he said. He, we, we know that he was someone who sought presence, the presence of his father's uh, favor upon him. But he lived it out. He lived it out as we're to live our lives out full of the Spirit, to bring change into other people's lives. And our reading this morning begins with Jesus' baptism. In a sense, Jesus is again seeking his Father's approval. He's just trying to do the right thing. And in trying to do the right thing, his Father gives him his approval. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? When you get the approval of somebody, that's a very special thing in our lives. And it reads, after his baptism, Jesus came out of the water, the heavens opened, and he saw... um, Uh, uh, the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. That'd be a wonderful thing. There are a few verses in Scripture where it just, you think, oh, that's just lovely, isn't it? I I was reflecting a few weeks ago with you on the, uh, the, the woman who went and broke that jar of perfume. Do you remember that? Some of you, I'm, you won't remember it, will you? But I was preaching on that a few years ago. And, uh, some of those of you who do remember, I love you very much. But this is what he did. He, the, the, the woman came and she broke that jar of perfume all over Jesus' feet. And through her tears and her hair, she wet his feet with her tears and wiped it with her hair. And Jesus says, she did a beautiful thing. I think that would be a wonderful thing to hear. Uh, my father say to me when I get to heaven you did a beautiful thing for me and then here I think this is profound wouldn't it be lovely as the father speaks over Jesus life this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if in our lives our lives brought God joy it seems a possibility that actually the way in which we live our lives can make our heavenly father smile well that's a very special thing anyway that's nothing to do with this morning but it's just a little thought that comes to me as i look at this that jesus did nothing except in the light of his father's favor one of the first things that god wants us to do in our lives is to constantly pursue him to pursue a deeper relationship with him to seek him out to know him more to know the love that he has for us and therefore reflect that love in our lives. If we, if we don't seek that out, if we don't know that love, we won't reflect that love. We'll only reflect what we know 
We only reflect what's in our lives. And the, and the Father wants to put good things in our lives. He says, he says, how much more do I have good gifts? If a father, if an earthly father would give, give good gifts to their children, how much more would the heavenly Father give good gifts to those who love him, it says. He wants to give us good gifts. If we would know our Father's love and the good gifts that he has for us, we'll live our lives in the light of that. In other words, through our lives, we'll give good gifts to others. Our life will be a gift to others in the way in which we live our lives. We're to hunger after his holy presence. We know that Jesus himself was one who got up early in the morning to pray. He, he, he got up to seek uh, the presence of his Father. We're told that in Mark one thirty-five. He got up early to retreat. We know that when he had major decisions to make, he retreated to pray. He was someone who constantly sought his heavenly Father's presence, the favor of his, God, of his Father in heaven. When you seek time with God, you hear God speaking to you. And you live your light in you live your life in the light of those words, in the light of that approval. I don't know about you, but when someone encourages me, I think I can do that. If someone speaks encouragement over my life, I think I can do it. If someone discourages you, you step back, don't you? But if we seek the presence of God in our lives, as Jesus sought the presence of his heavenly Father, living his life as we're to live our lives, as man, not as God, as man, therefore a life that is reproducible, if we seek the same presence of our heavenly Father and live our lives in the light of that, we too can bring change into other people's lives. We too can bring something of the light and life of God into other people's lives. We can achieve so much more through the encouragement that he gives us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and in all your strength. It probably takes a lifetime to work out that verse completely. Uh, all of us have faults. I, don't, I say that carefully. I know that, you know, some of you might think you're absolutely perfect, and I'm sure you are. But I suspect there are fault lines in all of our lives. I suspect there's imperfection. I suspect that there are things that are wrong there are things that we don't even like about our own lives there are things that we do and we think oh I wish I didn't do that or you know whatever it might be well well there are they'll become less as we increase our relationship with God as we pursue our heavenly father we'll never be perfect till we get to king the kingdom of God till we get to heaven but in this life what we're called to do like Jesus did we're called to pursue uh, our heavenly father but he didn't, he didn't do anything significant in his life, in a sense, until after he was visited by the Spirit. And it's the Spirit who came down upon him. And it opened, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him in a voice saying, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Then Jesus, led by the Spirit into the wilderness... Uh, to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. I think that that probably gets one of the uh, prize, one of the greatest understatements in the Bible. If you had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, I suspect you'd be very hungry. Just a tad hungry, perhaps. He's very hungry. Now, it's quite important to understand that. Uh, because I want to note a couple of things here. Uh, he's tempted then. 
it says, During that time the devil came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Temptation comes out of a normal, natural need in our lives. We're not, they don't come out of bad things. We're not bad people. We're not full of awful things in our lives. But actually, here, Jesus' temptation comes out of a basic need that he has. And the basic need that he has is a basic need for food. He's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So the first temptation is just turn these stones into loaves of bread. But he doesn't just say that. He says this, if you are the Son of God. His father's just put his favor upon him. He's just said, you're my son. You're my son. You bring me great joy. And the first temptation is, if you are the son of God. Just want to put doubt in there. Doubt into our lives. You know, you, you, those, those of you who've committed your life to Christ, like I have, you are a Christian. There's no, there's no question about it. Once you've done that, you are a Christian. You can't have that taken away from you. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a Christian. Never doubt that. It's like, it, it, it's, uh, to use a very simple illustration, you either, you either own a dog or you don't own a dog. You know if you own a dog because you've got a dog. You know if you don't own a dog because you haven't got a dog. It's as clear as that, isn't it? You know, I do not have a dog. I do have a dog. It's very simple. I am not a Christian. I've not yet chosen to follow Christ. I've not yet worked all of that out in my life. That's okay. If you're here, we long for you to work that out. We want to journey with you. But those of us who have, I am a Christian. Don't ever doubt it. And do you know what? The Lord loves you as a beloved son or daughter. You're, you're, you're a prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. He loves you beyond measure. You're his. You're his and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's the promise in scripture. He'll never let you go because you are a Christian. And therefore, therefore, if, if, if you're a Christian, God has good gifts in your life. If we as heavenly fathers know how to give, give good gifts to our children, how much more does our heavenly father want to give good gifts to those who love him? He wants to look after you. He wants to put his favor upon you. If you are the son of God, the devil says to him, would God really let you go hungry? Would God really leave you in the wilderness? Would God really not meet your basic needs? That's what's being said to Jesus here. I think he's saying that, you know, God doesn't really care about you, does he? You know, there are things wrong in your life. He doesn't really care. And Jesus says, actually, I trust in God first. His lovely answer. He says, no, no, no. He says, the scriptures say this, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. His response is this, I know I'm the son of God. I know I'm a Christian. I, I trust in my heavenly father. I trust in my heavenly, even though not all my prayers are met, not all my dreams are fulfilled, not everything's worked out yet, but I know a good God. I know a God who loves me. I know a God who pours his blessing upon me and I know that I would choose to follow him besides anybody else ever. 
He is my heavenly Father. You know, the deepest need in, in our lives is more than a physical need. The devil here is saying, get your physical need met. The temptation comes through the natural, normal of everyday life. You know, you know when you... Some, so my temptation in his life, I can... My, my lovely Linz has been buying Mackey's vanilla ice cream. It's a real temptation in my... I look at it sometimes in the freezer just before I go to bed and I think... I could just eat a bowl full of that now, you know. Sometimes I go home from a meeting and I do, because she's busy on her laptop. She's going, no idea. I have a whole bowl full. I think it's lovely. She thinks it's the rest of the children, but you know. <laughs> That's my big temptation. I said, I love it. I love, I love Mackey's vanilla ice cream. It's fine. And if you want it on offer, it's on offer in little. Marvelous. <laughs> Two liters for the price of one. But it's, it, there's, there's, there's a, there's, we all have temptations, and they come out of a physical thing, don't they? They come out of a physical thing. Oh, oh, just have a bit of that. The temptation here for Jesus is, I'm hungry, turn these stones into bread. But actually, that's not our, our greatest need. What's our greatest need? Our greatest need is to love and be loved. That's our greatest need. 1 John puts it this way, God is love and those who live in him live in love. Those who live in God live in love and God lives in them. Should get that right, shouldn't I really? If our greatest need is love and God is love, then shouldn't the first port of call in our lives be to look to God? That's what Jesus says. He says, well, whatever you think, I tell you what, a loaf of bread is not as important as my relationship with my Saviour. That, that temptation, whatever it is that you're being tempted into, is not as important as your relationship with your Savior. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus says, I will trust God. Whatever you come to me with, I will still trust in my Heavenly Father because life is more than bread alone. Life is more than getting our physical needs met. And then he goes on, he says, if you're the Son of God... If you're the son of God, um, uh, the devil says, if you're the son of God, jump off. Took him to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, no. The scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Again, he says, God, God can provide that. But whatever happens, I'm going to trust in my heavenly Father. I'm going to trust in God. I, I, I always think that the greatest display of faith is not some miraculous display of something great. It's not turning water into wine or walking on water or, or healing the sick. That's, that's not the greatest display of faith. We'll, we'll take it if it comes. But it's not the greatest display. The greatest display of faith is this. Those who quietly trust in God day by day, trusting that he will faithfully meet their needs and walk with them through every moment of every day and who will live their lives faithful to God all the time. Whatever happens, that we won't be Christians who are up one minute and way down the next, but we'll be Christians who say, whatever happens, I'll trust in God. There'll be a level, levelness in our lives. Whatever happens, 
I'm going to trust in God. I might not understand this at the moment. I might not understand the pain that's come into my life. I might not understand the prayers that, I don't seem to be, that don't seem to be being answered. I might not understand why my hopes are not being fulfilled. I might not understand all sorts of things, but I tell you what I'll do. I won't give in to temptation. I'll trust in my heavenly Father. That's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle of faith in every single one of us Christians. We can walk that day by day in our lives. Paul puts it this way. I love this from uh, 1 Colossians. Colossians 1. He says this, verse 11. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you may have all the endurance and patience you need and you may be filled with great joy, always thanking the Father who's enabled you to share in this inheritance that belongs to his people who live in his light. For he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I can just, I can just hear Paul writing that with great excitement. As someone who, who, who approved of the murder of Christians, as someone who was living his life uh, absolutely persecuting the church, and he writes and he says, gosh, I pray that you'll be strengthened with this glorious power. You may have all the endurance and faith that you need. You may be filled with great joy because this Father has enabled all of us to share in this incredible inheritance. He's rescued us from where we were and he's transferred us into his kingdom that we might live our lives in his light. I, 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 I live my life, I was trying to sum this up, I, I think I live my life based on three little premises. The first is this, I have a belief in his word. I believe what's in this Bible. I think that when we read it, we get strength. I think it's a, it gives us direction for our lives. His word is enough. It seems to me that when Jesus was tempted, he knew God's word. He knew what was in God's word. The word is enough. If it says it in here, well, I'd rather believe that than someone who says, if. If you are. Are you really sure God's on your side? It says so in here. I'll believe his word. Secondly, secondly, I believe that God will provide all that we need. He, he, he provided for our salvation. What, why should we doubt anything else? He'll provide everything we need for every day. That's what he promises. He is a great provider. It, it says it in Scripture, one of his names, Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. He'll provide for our everyday needs. And having believed in his word and trusted in his work, in his provision, I can then live in his presence. His power within me, the filling of his spirit, constantly nudging me, soaking me, challenging me, helping me. Friends, Jesus did not die so we could go to church. He died so he changed the world. It says it in the book, if you read the end, the victory is secure. He lived it that we might reproduce it and he promises his spirit to fill us that we might not do it in our strength but do it in his strength on a day by day basis. We're called. We're called to be people who live quiet daily lives 
trusting in our Heavenly Father to give us the wisdom we need to meet every decision, to give us patience in the difficult things and endurance in the hard things, and faith to follow God in all that we do. Is that okay? Can we stand?